T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. report the cv report give us one word to describe what you're going through right now sucky <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know it's just a nissan frontier but in my mind this thing's an m1 Abrams tank honey take the wheel i'm gonna stick my head out of the sunroof look any self-respecting veteran should grow a beard and have a belly that's the dumbest thing i've heard all day like if we're gonna start getting angry now it's it's a little late is live in D.C. with the update on all of this. Good morning. Maybe. I guess not. The C.V. Report. Welcome to the C.V. Report. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. And on today's episode, we'll hear how a veteran who was once a homeless drug addict is now helping save the lives of other homeless vets. It's a really long, complicated story, but I learned a lot living on the streets and and living with other veterans and stuff. Uh, Did a lot of massive amount of drugs, but Keith Richards is a shame. And the Supreme Court just made a ruling regarding transgender in the military. We'll have our national affairs correspondent, Matt Saintsing, help us understand a little bit more about what that ruling means. It's been a very confusing issue for the military. And I think I'm doing the military a great favor. But first, let's talk about the news on ConnectingVets.com and some of the stories veterans are talking about. And here to talk about headlines is my colleague, Libby Howe. How are you? Good, good. So one of the big things that was at the top of the news feed this morning was Coast Guard still not getting their pay. So there were a couple articles this morning about there was one uh, one crew shipped out on Coast Guard Cutter Berthoff. Yeah, Berthoff is how I would say that one. Yeah. And they're going on a month-long foreign mission. And there was an article about how it just kind of is hitting home to them that they're going on this foreign mission and leaving their family behind to deal with the financial woes of no paycheck. So kind of day-to-day operations in the Coast Guard, they're carrying on their jobs and they're doing hard missions and they're deploying to foreign places and their families are left behind to deal with the financial strain. So that was one of the stories. And then, of course, there's the flip side of that where there are a couple Mm. news stories about um, community efforts and efforts to raise funds and set up food pantries. So there's a woman in Ohio named Susan Zanetti who is collecting gift cards to give to service members who need to buy gas, food, and baby supplies. So far, she has $4,000 in gift cards. And now her article is out on the Associated Press, so it might get a little more reach, might get a few more Mm. donations, and there's information on how you can donate on the website. So still no pay, still crowdsourcing, getting, getting help from the community in any way they can. Amazing that they're still doing the work of the Coast Guard, even though they're not being paid, because you would think that payroll and operational funds all come from the same accounts. And in fact, if there's not money to pay these guys, how are, how are they paying for the fuel? How are they, you know, how are they paying for the other costs of the operations, the food, the supplies, the maintenance gear? Blows my mind, right? right. And when will that money run out? And then we'll be even in even more of a 
crap show because then we can't even be doing the operations that are pretty vital to national security. So right now they're being they're able to do those missions without pay. How long until the money necessary to run those missions also runs out? Mm. And the other frustrating thing that I find is just amazing is that we think about these gift card donations. We think about raising, you know, food pantries and raising funds. And this isn't a natural disaster. This is this is man friggin made. It's not lost on me the irony that for years the Coast Guard has been the ones that have provided canned goods in emergencies and they provided relief and rescue in natural disasters. And now they're the ones that need the relief. Well said, Libby. Let's hope they put an end to the shutdown show soon. Now, news coming across the wire just this morning about transgender and the military. And here to help us sort it out is our national affairs correspondent, Matt Saintsing. How are you, sir? Well, you know, it's the Mondayest Tuesday ever, so (laughs) not happy about that, but never a boring day when you work here. So Never a boring day to cover news. And this is especially interesting because we've talked about transgender issues in the military over the last year. Tell me what's going on now. So the Supreme Court this morning uh, basically allowed for the Trump administration's proposed transgender ban to go forward to for it to take effect while court cases are proceeding. So let's back mm. up here to the very beginning. In 2016, um, the Obama administration, through Secretary of Defense Ash Carter, Obama's last Secretary of Defense, said we're going to lift the ban on transgender individuals sh- uh, serving openly in the military. Okay. If you're trans, you can serve. If, if you're willing to raise your right hand and serve, doesn't matter if you're trans, right? Right. Fast forward to July of 2017, Trump tweeted, we're not going to allow transgender people in serving in the military. The uh, transgender, the military is working on it now. They're doing the work. As you know, it's been a very complicated issue for the military. Since then, there's been a lot of back and forth with policy changes. People that are actually active duty that are transgender uh, are taking this through court uh, out west through uh, Oregon and I believe in Washington state. And Secretary Mattis, when that tweet first came out said that he was just going to look into it right he was like nothing will change until we do like some studies and some right. research so, and to find out so about more things what, what the policy ended up after all of that if you started your transition while out of the military you can join you cannot transition while you're in and as a matter of fact if you want to transition while you're in you're at risk for being kicked out of the military so hmm. if you have already gone through it in the civilian world want to come through it want to come to the military free game if you want to do it while you're still in you could have a break in service or they could potentially still kick you out that's what this ban held up today the supreme court basically told the trump administration you can keep this ban ban in effect while the court cases work their way up and people Hmm. are going to be taking this and then so this is not a final this is not this is just a it's not a no it's not a yes it's a yes right now until we until we get to another benchmark if that makes sense so if you wanted to transition and you're currently in the military, you could be kicked out of the military for saying you want to transition and for and for trying to go through with it. But if you've already if had you, transition you, and were, you'd now like to serve you your country, an, oh, if, if you already transitioned and you're in, you're good. Right. right. So this only really affects a really small this, the, a subset of a subset of people. If you hmm, if okay. you if you're outside the military and you know you're transgender and you have not transitioned yet, you have to do that basically on your own and on your own dime. Then then joining and having Uncle Sam pick up. And it does kind of sound like we're coming down to some economics here. I mean, this is not being looked at it through a moral prism. It's being looked at I think more through to, well, a financial issue to say that they don't want to be spending money on this type of medical procedure. 
I personally don't think it's about money at the end of the day. I mean, look, this, the military spends ungodly amounts. Look how much they spend on, on, on gas yesterday, right? They don't give a shit about the money, right? Uh, even, if, even, if this co- even if this costs all 900 transgender people in the military $200,000, that is a drop in the bucket compared to the regular DOD budget. I think people will look at this in different ways, whether you're on one side of the camp or, or the other. Temporarily, until these courts go through the system, this policy is now in effect. That is what's new as of this morning. Right on. Matt St. Singh, National Affairs Reporter, ConnectingVets.com. We'll talk to you soon. Next on the show, my fellow reporter, Kayla Jackson. How are you? I'm doing good, Phil. How are you? Really good. And uh, I want to get into an article that ran on ConnectingVets.com earlier this week about a farm. But on this farm, they don't grow corn or turnips. I don't even know if they grow turnips on <laughs> But you know what I'm saying. Like, You're right. It's not traditional farming. And we shared an interview with a gentleman from New Hampshire that was arguably one of the most interesting interviews I've ever sat through. Talk to me about this farm and how it's affecting veterans. Definitely. I would agree. The most interesting person I have ever virtually met on the phone, uh, (laughs) Michael Rivers, an Army vet. Great guy with quite an interesting story. He is the man behind, um, if you've heard of it, uh, I'm sure you have Dysfunctional Veterans, a Facebook page. Millions of people have clicked on it. Funny memes, dark humor. My name is Michael Rivers, and I run the DV organization. No official title. I get called many things, but I don't think it can go on the air. Not many people know this, but he actually started a therapeutic farm for veterans who are on the road to recovery um, from homelessness and drug addiction. Wait, the Facebook page, which features memes that say things like, it's strange to work in a hospital. You know, in one room, there's a father holding his son for the first time. In another room, there's a son holding his father for the last time. And then in another room, there's a guy with a remote stuck in his anus. It's the circle of life. <laughs> exactly. That or, that same guy, the same guy is also helping veterans um, basically um, get back their lives together uh, from from living on the street and living off drugs. So he's he has quite quite a, quite a life here. <laughs> Talk to me about your takeaways from our conversation. It's interesting just to hear, you know, listening to Michael talk about his personal life, also a former um, formerly homeless veteran. Um, mm-hmm. He has his own experiences and has his own experience with drugs and alcohol and had really a tough time transitioning out of the Army. I did my eight years. I deployed to the, uh, the first Gulf War and uh, I was 11 Bravo. I'd done a lot of high speed stuff and everything, but uh, just your average, you know, eight years. You know, my ups and downs and everything. But when I got out, um, and I think this is more commonplace, uh, I was disconnected from the family and the support and everything. And when I got out, I struggled and I was walking around undiagnosed with certain things. And I did the usual route. I self-medicated, boxed myself in and was drinking to to alleviate things. And uh, no job ever compared to what I had in the military. And you know, felt sorry for myself, kind of got suicidal, homicidal on life, and my life spiraled out of control. And it was drifting away from the tribe or drifting away from the group that we all belong to when we're active duty that really made him spiral out of control is kind of an understatement. I mean, just some of the things he said were mind-blowing. And it got so bad that uh, I was incarcerated a number of times, and uh, I actually kind of liked it. You know, where else can you go get three meals a day, get free medical, don't have to work, (laughs) no family, nothing. I kind of enjoyed it. It was a break. But um, 
after I got out, I swore I wouldn't go back in into prison and all that. So I, I kind of adjusted, modified my behavior, and um, kind of boxed myself in, and, and I ended up being homeless. Um, and and I lived on the streets for years, and I didn't care if I lived or died or anything like that. And did a lot of massive amount of drugs and put Keith Richards to shame. Um, but I learned a lot living on the streets and and living with other veterans and stuff. Uh, and did that for a number of years. So after incarceration, after homelessness, uh, he finally turned the corner. And uh, talk to me about what he shared with us about that process. Definitely. So he actually linked up with a therapeutic farm himself. That was part of his recovery experience. It was recommended to him uh, through a local VA. He went through the program. It it was a, a big turning point for him. And eventually... Um, you know, for him, it was just one day. This worked for me. Maybe it'll work for, for other guys. I went to this one VA when I was living on the streets, and, and they convinced me to try this program in a rural setting with animals and horses and other veterans. And uh, and that's where my life kind of changed. Uh, I started helping other vets, even though I was a homeless vet living with 18 other guys. But it, it was called Victory Farm, and it's based off of what, and this is what I based DV Farm off of. Bunch of vets out in the middle of nowhere, um, minimal support from, from the organization. They're a great organization, this and that, but, uh, you know, there were some fundamental problems. But uh, I lived there three years and went from being the, the, the guy that just shovel shit to uh, running the program. And I liked it so much that uh, it actually helped me deal with the issues I was battling. And so, you know, up in this this farmland in New Hampshire, of all places, <laughs> um, they're um, a group of, of veterans, five guys living on this farm um, in this house. And they're in charge of tilling the land. They've got they've got construction projects, raising chickens, um, you know, and they're and they're doing it yeah. and they're, they're getting their life together. In addition to that, you know, they have AA meetings that they go to. They're linked with a. Uh, someone at the VA so they can get those services, but they're really out by themselves. Um, like I said, rebuilding their life and learning how to, to, to take responsibility for themselves again. I, I take people that have tried and done multiple programs, uh, have a history of homelessness, and those are the ones I want. And coming out to our program, it's, it's the opposite of a traditional program. And it's that way, it's designed by that way because of the lack of funding and because of what I think works, where you're given a ton of responsibility. I can certainly everybody out there being a vet that, you know, don't need to be micromanaged. What you need is uh, an environment surrounded by people who have been there, done that, myself running the program. So nobody yet has come through that have been, has been as screwed up as I have. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of kids come through with, that have a lot of years on their life. I'm 53, and I just got my together, what, 10 years ago? Started 10 years ago. I've got 20-year-olds out there got their whole life ahead of them, and if they can get on the right track, they, they could have a good, productive life. But a typical day involves they get up in the morning, they have animal chores they have to do first thing in the morning. All the animals have to be fed and cleaned and all that other stuff. And they have to get ready, clean the house and uh, have breakfast. And then we have a morning meeting at nine. The farm manager usually has a project going on and uh, they could be out there burning or cutting down trees, building roads or, or building something. The name, the DV farm is na- is farm in title. It's more of a ranch. It's more of, you know, you're, you're working with your hands, building stuff, uh, stuff like that. 
Um, we do, they get counseling once a month. We focus on what their goals are, what they need to work on. They attend AA meetings. Um, each resident, the longer they're there, has to take on more responsibility. Um, you can't just come to the program and say, I'm going to be the guy shoveling shit. You know, so after you've been there 30 days, you're put on, once you've been checked out, you know, all the protocols for cooking and all that. And you've been certified like through, through the staff, you'll start cooking, preparing meals for the rest of the house. We can house up to five veterans. So we give them the, the, the massive amounts of responsibility, uh, gives them, you know, they're sick of being micromanaged. You go to a typical program, you're treated like a child. You can't do anything. You know, they don't trust you. And you know, we're here. We flip it on its head. You're given a lot of responsibility. You're allowed to make mistakes as long as you don't make them twice. Didn't it almost sound to you like a commune? I mean, because he told us that, like, uh, one of the first people that participated in the program is still there. Because we're a small program, it allows me to uh, focus on them individually. I say two years, but it can go longer than that. Our senior resident's been there over two years, and he's still improving, and he still can't leave yet. So it's not a definitive cap, but uh, some people, a year is good enough for them. It's up to the individual. So it's almost as if he takes, like, the worst of the worst of chronic homeless, of those battling the biggest demons with drug addiction, finds a home for them, and they may never leave. They may just live in this happy happy universe together, raising goats and chickens and building new cabins for the next wave of chronic homeless addicted veterans to join them and find a way back to right. He also had one other thing that went on through the entire interview. Tell me about that. Yeah, so um, Michael, he also has a, a pet parrot, which is interesting. I don't know how parrots go on farms. I don't understand how that works. But the parrot, <laughs> Huey, um, had quite a lot to say during the interview. I'm going to kill you. Stop. <laughs> Even though I was a homeless vet living with 18 other guys. Huey, you're adopted. <laughs> that usually shuts her up. Um, I love it, buddy. Um, she's laughing. Come here. You think it's funny? <laughs> she's laughing. <laughs> she does this when I get on the phone. <laughs> that was so funny. Every time the parrot chirped, I don't know. It just makes me want to go to this farm. What do you think, Kayla? This farming thing just seems to be a, a reoccurring theme, a recurring uh, way uh, for veterans to, to piece their lives back together. And it, it's amazing to see. I um, mean, it's going to be great to see, you know, how the DV farm um, grows and hopefully it does grow in the future. Well, as long as they keep making that Facebook page, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of what he's doing. And yeah, you're totally right. I think the VA does need to pay some attention and really focus on the experiential side of therapy because it is not always at the bottom of a bottle or a prescription or a therapy session with somebody with a you know fancy degree on the wall. Sometimes it's just getting your hands down in the dirt. You know, with all the classes out there and the knowledge of drug and alcohol, the one thing you do, you, you do need, and it's hard to find, is somewhere to stay to get sobriety under your belt. You know, you can go to a 30-day program, but you don't really have a lot of sobriety under your belt, and the chances of you relapsing are great. But if you've been stable and sober for a year or more, the chances of you succeeding when you leave go up tremendously. And that's what we give them, a, a place to live for an extended period of time so they can go through the normal ups and downs of life without 
relapsing. Hmm. And right there, all those combined experiences together on that New Hampshire farm, they heal mind, body, and soul. Kayla Jackson, always interesting reporting. Find another guy like this, because this interview was great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Now, where can I find this full article and more about the DV farm? Dysfunctional veterans. It's not just a funny Facebook page. It saves veterans' lives. All right. And that article is always on ConnectingVets.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.